It's Tuesday, February 7th. The lights went out, so you could only hear the buildings begin to fall. We start here. A series of earthquakes kills thousands in Turkey and Syria. Entire neighborhoods are completely uh, destroyed. The death toll has jumped again overnight. What rescuers are looking at. President Biden hasn't officially announced his re-election bid, but is this his first stump speech? The president just has to lay out and make the argument that things are heading in the right direction. The State of the Union is tonight. Mary Bruce is standing by at the White House. And days after a train crash, it got even more dangerous. How confident are you in this plan? Uh, it, look, it's a choice between two uh, bad choices. A town in Ohio is ordered to evacuate for a chemistry experiment. From ABC News, this is Start Here. I'm Brad Milkey. It was around 9 p.m. Eastern on Sunday when we started getting word there had been an earthquake in the Middle East, a big one affecting areas in eastern Turkey and northern Syria. Immediately, you could tell there were deaths here. But at first, those numbers were in the hundreds. They have quickly risen. As of this morning, we know there are well over 4,000 dead, and that number continues to rise rapidly. What you're about to hear, there is some disturbing audio here. Let's go to ABC's Ibtisim Food, based in Paris. She immediately hustled to Istanbul. That's where she joins us from now. And Ibtisim, first off, can you just describe the quake itself and what we know about it here? Yeah, so that devastating earthquake occurred around 4 a.m. local time. So you have to imagine people are in their beds, asleep, and they literally get buried under their own roofs, under their own walls. We have seen video throughout the day coming out of uh, entire building just crumbling to the ground, um, and also drone video showing entire neighborhoods uh, completely uh, destroyed. One thing that stuck with me particularly is seeing a lot of shocking video emerging throughout the day, uh, shot mostly by rescue workers uh, excavating little kids completely covered in dust from under the ashes of their own uh, bedrooms and still in their pajamas. These videos, you can tell, are going to be deeply traumatizing uh, for everyone who is going through it or even just watching it. This is going to be something that is going to stay in Turkish history. Um, President Erdogan mentioned how uh, this event um, is is one of the biggest catastrophes mm. that they've that they've seen in the last century. Gün 65 million. This region is uh, is located on the what they call um, experts call East Anatolian Fault in eastern Turkey, where two tectonic plates meet, and so it is not rare that uh, some small earthquakes uh, can happen, or uh, at least uh, some uh, geological phenomenon like this uh, happen. However, what has surprised experts is uh, the intensity of that quake and the fact that it was also 
followed by another earthquake uh, later uh, that day um, that was of almost of similar um, intensity, over 7.5 magnitude, which is a very rare fact, experts tell us. So this is a major earthquake for the region, but also this uh, the conditions in which it's happening, uh, followed by another quake, followed by other uh, aftershocks in the dead of winter, in the middle of the night. It's truly a catastrophic event that is happening on a biblical scale. Yeah, and Ibtisan, how high could this death toll go at this point? I mean, are there estimates? Because it sound, it's, the numbers are just, have just skyrocketed in the last 24 hours. It's hard to tell, but it's true that uh, people are expecting um, and leaders have been um, have been kind of warning that these numbers might even uh, double in the coming days um, wow. because th- this is going to be a really long effort. Right now, there's still this hope that you, you might find survivors under the rubble. But after a while, it will only be uh, the search uh, for the dead. And um, at this stage, it, it's really hard to tell. But you have to imagine entire neighborhoods uh, completely wiped out. Mm. So hundreds of uh, thousands of people were living in those in those residential buildings. Most of the video that we're seeing, we're actually seeing high rises. So this is this is you know dozens of families wow. uh, that were living there, were sleeping there when this happened. Um, so for sure, the number of casualties is going to be incredibly high and is going to be continuing to rise uh, sharply. We're getting ready to make our way to the earthquake zone, and uh, over there it is um, uh, it is snowing. When it's raining, it's that 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 type of rain that really uh, ch- chills the bone. And you have to imagine that uh, rescuers are finding it really uh, difficult, uh, not only to work in these conditions, but the, to keep uh, hope alive that you might find uh, survivors that not only uh, manage to escape, you know, the crushing weight of of this these concrete walls, but also uh, managing to make it through uh, the uh, rough hours um, in the cold, in the rain. Uh, so this, right. of course, is is making their uh, their work much harder. Oh, I see. Like even if you manage to survive and you're trapped in a building, it's a lot easier to survive those next couple days if the weather's warm. Like you, there might be a limited amount of time for rescuers here. That's right. Some of the cities have been touched, and that's why we're seeing videos. The, the most shocking video is of high rises, but some of the villages have also been uh, affected. And that means that uh, hundreds have been rendered homeless in the dead of winter. The president authorized an immediate U.S. response in addition to the U.S. personnel currently on the ground. We are in the process of deploying additional teams to support Turkish search and rescue efforts. This is also uh, becoming increasingly a a huge humanitarian crisis because we are going to have to find a way to, to, you know, shelter these people. And just to give you an idea of of the need here, this NGO called the Red Crescent, it's kind of the equivalent of the Red Cross here, is asking for 10,000 units of blood donations. So this is how dire the situation here is. Just devastating and shocking, frankly, to see these death toll numbers go up and up and up. And let's not forget, not just Turkey here, you've also got thousands dead in Syria. And we're talking about some of the areas that have been affected so much during its civil war. You've got areas that were trying to rebuild for years in the middle of all this. And those structures, you got to think, we're probably not up to the task of dealing with a nearly 8.0 earthquake. All right, Ibtising Gunfud, they're in Istanbul on her way to the site right now. Thanks so much. Thank you, Brad. 
Next up on Start here, if Jobs' numbers haven't made a dent in his disapproval ratings, what's a speech gonna do? The state of President Biden after the break. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you ever wondered what you would do with an extra hour in your day? I think about this all the time. I'm like, I would be so productive. I'd exercise more, or I'd read a book, or I'd take a nap, like restore myself. We often find ourselves yearning for these extra hours, but the real question is, what would you do if you were making yourself a priority? Well, how about therapy? It can help you discover what's important so you can make the most of your time. If you've ever benefited from therapy, you know how transformative it can be. It's not just for those who have experienced major trauma. Therapy empowers you to learn positive coping skills, set boundaries, and become the best version of yourself. If you're considering starting therapy, you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and tailored to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. And here's the beauty of it. You can switch therapists if you're not finding the right fit. No additional charge. Take the first step. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash start here today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash start here. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. Tonight is the State of the Union address, Joe Biden's third time addressing a joint session of Congress as president. And you got to think the draft of his speech has changed several times in recent days, especially the part about China. The downing of that Chinese surveillance balloon. They just shot it down. They just shot it. Did you hear that? They just shot it, China's Ministry of Foreign Affairs protesting the U.S. response and warning it reserves the right to take action. Yesterday, vessels from the U.S. Navy were patrolling a miles-wide debris field off the North Carolina coastline where a huge Chinese surveillance balloon was shot down. And what they found so far is interesting. For one, we wondered how much steering control a balloon like this could actually have. Well, Admiral John Kirby said this one had a propeller and a rudder, meaning it could more easily hover in certain areas. This uh, balloon had the ability to, to maneuver itself to speed up, to slow down. We talked about how other balloons have apparently passed over the U.S. in recent years, including during the Trump administration. But Pentagon officials now admit they only learned about those after Trump left office. At least on three occasions, uh, surveillance balloons by the PRC transited uh, uh, U.S. airspace. Like at the time, we had no idea balloons were here that could have been spying on us. And that's just one of many challenges the White House is facing right now. So let's check in with ABC senior White House correspondent Mary Bruce. She's at the West Wing. Mary, what are we going to hear tonight? I can't promise in how much detail he might mention the balloon. China, for sure, will be a topic. But really, I think the overarching theme here is going to be on the economy, right? The president is going to argue that the economy is heading in the right direction and that his policies 
are working. We expect him to highlight that shockingly strong jobs report from last night, the unemployment rate now at a 53-year low. And he's also going to point to his policies, like the Inflation Reduction Act, like the Bipartisan Infrastructure Bill, and argue that what he has done so far in office is actually improving Americans' lives. But here's the issue. Despite some of the promising numbers, Americans aren't really feeling this necessarily in their wallets. And that is why I think you still see polling, like our latest ABC News Washington Post poll, that shows that four in 10 Americans, four in 10, say they are worse off financially now than they were when the president took office. So Biden has to make a compelling argument. He's going to be optimistic, but he also has to recognize that there's a lot of progress left to be made here and that a lot of Americans are still really hurting. Yeah. How much is in his control at this point, Mary? Because like you said, like it, it, when you're politically vulnerable, even after a shockingly good jobs report, that like, what, what are there answers for him? Are there is there anything that's going to satisfy voters or viewers tonight? Well, look, I think economists will tell you this economy right now is full of contradictions, right? It, it, the inflation numbers may be trending in the right direction, but those prices are still a big shock for consumers. The jobs report is great. So it's a mixed bag. The president just has to lay out and make the argument that things are heading in the right direction. And in addition to arguing, as he will, that, look, he deserves some credit for the way that things are heading in the right direction, he will say he also has to make the argument as we head into a presidential race that he deserves another four years to keep things going. And I think that's what really looms large over all of this. Uh, View tonight as a bit of a soft launch, right? This is a chance for him to really outline why he thinks his policies are having a positive impact on Americans, why they are improving Americans' lives, and why he deserves uh, another shot to keep it going. Yeah. And what is the vibe going to be like among Republicans during this, especially, I'm thinking, in this new Republican-controlled House? Right. This is a whole new ballgame. He's speaking to a Republican-controlled House. Uh, The president, we are told, is going to try and reach across the aisle, say that he's willing to compromise on certain areas, that he's looking to work together. But look no further than the current fight over the debt ceiling to see that that is easier said than done, right? Republicans are still digging in on this fight over raising the debt limit. They're demanding steep spending cuts. The president doesn't want to couple any debate over the debt and the deficit with raising the debt limit. So we've seen a lot of positive talk there. But I think the president, don't expect him to go too hard against the other side. I think you're more likely to hear him say that they can work together on some of these issues. The question is, eh, is it all talk or will you actually see the two sides coming together? I wouldn't hold your breath on that one. Yeah, that's interesting now that Kevin McCarthy's over his shoulder instead of Nancy Pelosi. All right, Mary Bruce at the White House. Thanks so much. Thanks, Brad. It was a horrifying headline as we entered the weekend. A huge freight train had derailed in Ohio with dozens of train cars thrown around the tracks like Legos. A huge fire broke out, summoning emergency workers from all over the region. But a little while later, they were told to back off because it turned out many of these train cars were carrying toxic chemicals. We are at a... Uh, risk now of a catastrophic failure of that container. That is when this went from a train disaster to a potentially much larger one. We need you to leave now. And so yesterday, authorities had to evacuate a big area near the site to make an even bigger fire as they burned off chemicals in the open air. Let's go to ABC's Alex Perche, who's based in Ohio. He's actually on the scene right now. And Alex, can you just describe, first of all, what this initial crash was and, and how it got sort of even worse as the days went along? That is the $100,000 question right now. What caused this train to derail? 50 cars here derailing uh, just on the border between Ohio and Pennsylvania. It happened Friday night just before 9 p.m. An eastbound train which originated in Madison, Illinois and en route to Conway, Pennsylvania, 
derailed in East Palestine, Ohio. We know that there was a crew of about three on this train, no significant injuries. Uh, but, you know, the NTSB right now is trying to figure out. They, 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 they got one of the recording boxes. And so, you know, that might in the coming days give some sort of indication as to, you know, what went wrong here. When this first happened Friday night, I mean, it was a it was a big explosion. We, we talked to folks that, that, that said that they heard the pop, pop, pop. And, you know, this huge plume. And certainly we've seen some social video on Twitter just showing, the, you know, the, the, the scope of this fire billowing into the night sky. That whole entire night, I don't think I went to sleep until five o'clock because I was afraid, you know, this big explosion or something would, you know, take our windows out. Initially, they asked people to evacuate. Officials say at least 1,500 residents are being urged to leave as crews work to get the massive blaze under control. This fire died down. And then what people tell us is that going into Saturday, it picked back up. The creek by my house had a very, very strong chemical smell to it. Um, I went in my house, it was worse. It became pretty clear that some of these cars that had derailed and were involved in this fire uh, had something called vinyl chloride. It's used to make plastics, but it's 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 highly, highly toxic. The vinyl chloride contents of five rail cars are currently unstable and could potentially explode, causing deadly disbursement of shrapnel and toxic fumes. And you still had you know, some 500 folks in the area, the governor came through and 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 doubled down on this mandatory evacuation. If you have children, uh, you're subject to arrest uh, if you do not leave with these children. If they did not have children, they would have been told you, you, you need to leave. Alex, I'm trying to imagine what I would say if someone knocked on my door and said, excuse me, sir, you need to leave your house because we're going to light some chemicals on fire. Like, is that essentially what happened? Well, yeah, Brad, essentially. And I, I got to say, like, you know, this whole area was was kind of you know buzzing with anticipation from uh, they called it a controlled release. We're doing this so that we control this tank car that we have concerns with these tank cars. Um, this allows us to control that operation and not have the car react and do it itself. Essentially, they they blew holes in five of these cars carrying this vinyl chloride. The best way that I have to, to describe the aftermath of this, I mean, this huge plume, it, it, it looked like a tornado kind of spewing out over the skies. Right now, you're seeing that thick black pillar of smoke rising up into the air. But this is literally fighting fire with fire in, in, in some respect. I remember I got a chance to talk with uh, Governor Mike DeWine. He was saying, like, I mean, there's there's not really a, a, a good option here. How confident are you in this plan? Uh, it, look, it's a choice between two uh, bad choices. These fumes from this vinyl chloride are going to kind of spill out uh, by a, a one by two mile radius, kind of uh, southeast, going towards the Pennsylvania border. Uh, it's it's a remote area. It's away from town, and basically, it just allows emergency crews to to really kind of control the situation. It was going to blow one way or another, but at least this way it doesn't blow back on the town. But, but will it be safe again? Like, Because I, I can envision how long it takes to clean up a train crash. Like, it takes a while, but I, I at least can understand that. How long does it take for people to move back in after something like this? Brad, you know, the fact of the matter is there's not really a good answer for that. Uh, yes, the state is confident in their plan of attack here. But 
the fact of the matter is it's, it's going to be a wait-and-see game. I was speaking with the emergency management agency earlier, and you know, the spokesperson was pretty matter-of-fact saying that you know they're going to have to continue air and water testing. And yes, they've told residents that there are no concerns. There's no reason to think that there's anything wrong with the air or the water. But you know this is something that they can't just you know, they can't just rule out these risks. Uh, overnight. I mean, it's going to take days of testing to to really kind of see that they're through this. And just a huge perimeter around there at this point. All right, Alex Perchet in Ohio. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brad. Okay, one more quick break. When we come back, they got you to pay five bucks for a soda. You thought that prime seat location wasn't going to cost extra? One last thing is next. As in previous campaigns, it's the economy, stupid. We'll be looking at that this morning. First, though, it's the news, stupid. It is the economy, stupid. It's not the economy, stupid. It's national security, stupid. It's the hair, stupid. In 1992, one of the best-known pieces of presidential campaign wisdom was born. It's the economy, stupid. But was it actually the economy that won Bill Clinton that election? In a new series from the 538 Politics podcast, we're taking a look back at conventional wisdom from past elections with a critical lens. Where did that wisdom come from, and does it hold up today? Find the Campaign Throwback series in the 538 Politics feed wherever you get your podcasts. And one last thing. If you've been to a movie at an AMC theater in the last year, you've probably seen Nicole Kidman and their little in-house commercial hopping from seat to seat in various auditoriums. Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Well, in a new plan unveiled yesterday, some of those seats could now cost different prices. Under this program called Sightline at AMC, seats in the middle of the theater, those ideally angled seats, will now cost more than the others. Seats way up front, as in the ones you would never catch me sitting in during a scary movie, they will cost less. The other seats apparently will cost about the same. Now, to anyone who's bought a ticket to a Broadway play or a concert in recent years, the concept here is not anything groundbreaking. People are willing to pay more for better seats. Movie houses in other countries practice the same concept. But for some reason... This has never permeated movie culture in this country. Thank you for choosing AMC Theaters. Unless it's a big sold-out premiere, you generally get your tickets, walk in with your friends, and pick any old seat you want. I always remember how much responsibility I felt in junior high when suddenly I was in charge of getting a good row. When people were late, you had to go full Elaine from Seinfeld. These are taken. Now, the movie-going experience could look much more like a Broadway house, with ushers making sure balcony dwellers don't sneak into the good seats. But, think about it, it's not like theaters are full right now. This might not only be about extracting money from the center aisle. Rather, it might be about boosting membership for AMC's monthly pass, Stubbs A-List. Members of the monthly program can access preferred seating at no extra charge. That could be the sequel they're hoping for, a world in which we're buying movie tickets like subscription boxes. Whatever moviegoers choose, they'll have to do it fairly soon. Seat numbers will start getting checked in a thousand AMC theaters by the end of the year. By the way, they also say matinees are not subject to this. They would start going into effect around 4 p.m. I still can't imagine I would pay extra money when I'm already paying like my $15 for popcorn and a drink. But what can you do? It's Chinatown. More on all these stories at abcnews.com or the ABC News app. I'm Brad Milkey. See you tomorrow.
as in previous campaigns, it's the economy, stupid. We'll be looking at that this morning. First, though, it's the news, stupid. It is the economy, stupid. It's not the economy, stupid. It's national security, stupid. It's the hair, stupid. In 1992, one of the best-known pieces of presidential campaign wisdom was born. It's the economy, stupid. But was it actually the economy that won Bill Clinton that election? In a new series from the 538 Politics podcast, we're taking a look back at conventional wisdom from past elections with a critical lens. Where did that wisdom come from, and does it hold up today? Find the Campaign Throwback series in the 538 Politics feed wherever you get your podcasts.